And I ask you to speak to us through your word and through Jesus. That. Sorry, guys, I keep putting myself on mute. It's not your, it's not your fault, it's mine. <clears throat> I think I put it in my pocket, but I'm going to do this intentionally. We're going to be in John chapter 7 today. So you can turn there while I fumble around. The one thing that I want you to hear and remember, and the one point of this passage today, is that Jesus stands against our obsession with human approval. Jesus stands against our obsession with human approval. And as I spent this week writing and praying, what I realized is that means that Jesus stands against my obsession with human approval. And I started writing my sermon in my office, and it's got this window that goes into the back patio, and lately a lot of our staff meetings, things going on in the church, people have been meeting outside because the weather's been nice. And the first day I started writing and reflecting on this passage and watching Jesus, I noticed that there was a meeting going on outside. And the meeting was filled with these particular people who I really love and I want their approval. And as they began to meet, I continued to go along with my work. But then in the back of my head, as I watched, I began to ask, why am I not out there? Had a little moment of the inner circle and going like, why, why am not, I not included? And then I caught myself because I was reading about Jesus' humility. <laughs> Closed the blind and then I noticed myself trying to hear through the window. <laughs> so I put my headphones in and, uh, and I started having all of these evil thoughts of, how I could prove myself, make sure that I would be seen and have value in people's eyes. And then at the end of the day, Josh uh, wanted to go through the sermon material with me, and we started talking about how Jesus seems to expose, in our context even, our obsession with fame and how we chase after and what matters is what people think of us when they see us, do we have value in their eyes? And I was like, man, that is so good. And then I walked back to my desk where I had spent the afternoon obsessing over human approval. I was like, dang it. And then I spent the week and halfway through the week, I was Wednesday night, uh, decided to work late because to be honest, I didn't have any killer one-liners yet, and my outline wasn't that creative. And I sat there in the evening, and I feel like God just kind of pointed out to me, hey man, you're more worried about having a killer outline and good illustrations than you are just simply speaking my word. And then as I was telling Jim some of my ideas of what I might say to you, and we talked about this um, to be honest, you know, as I share this story in the back of my head, it goes, well, I, I hope that by sharing this story, maybe that I could get some of their approval. <laughs> and so it just never ends. It, this obsession that we have with human approval, this desire to be seen and have value. 
The Bible talks about this language using the word glory. And in the scriptures, glory refers to being seen with visible splendor. And what we see in this story is that Jesus exposes our obsession with human approval. He opposes it. And thankfully, ultimately, he puts it to death. The brothers of Jesus come up to Jesus. They say, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. They've got a killer political plan. We, in the last couple of weeks, if you remember, Jesus has essentially gone from preaching to crowds of 5,000 plus, and it's dwindled as his teaching has gotten more confrontational and bizarre to now he's got the 12 disciples and even Judas is hanging on by a thread at this point, we know. So the brothers come to Jesus and they're like, don't worry, Jesus, we got it. Here's what we'll do. Go up in the middle of the feast of booths. Hundreds of thousands of Jews are flooding the city of Jerusalem in Judea, the area that Jesus was avoiding because there's a plot to kill him. But they say, go up and here's what we'll do. On our way, we'll, we'll grab a blind person. We'll grab someone who's lame. We'll grab a couple of people who are diseased and we'll get them all there. And then when everybody's watching and when everyone sees, then Jesus, you can basically just be like, healed, 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 you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Mic drop and everyone will be like, wow, he's legit. They've got a plan to chase the crowds. Jesus exposes it. He says, my time has not yet come, but your time's always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about its works that they are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. We all want it. We all want someone to see us and to value us. Some of you, that person is in this room. Don't look around so they don't see. Some of us, it's your spouse. Some of us, it's strangers. And you could pull out your phone and look at your feed and that would show you how you seek that approval. We all want it. We crave it. We want to be seen and valued and loved. And I think that's probably most exaggerated in our culture than it ever has been. Since 2007, it, we've seen a switch to where the, one of the main values for children is fame. And now kids don't necessarily want to be doctors. They want to be YouTube stars. We want to be seen and we want to be valued. And our culture puts that to the extreme. Jesus exposes our obsession with human approval. No, I will not go up to the feast, he says. I'm not going to chase after the crowds. I am not going to follow along with this plan. And it seems to be actually a pretty good plan, but because we're following along in John's gospel, we know that this plan would be for Jesus to compromise. Because what the brothers are doing is in a long series of temptations that seems to look a lot like Satan. 
At first, the crowds come to Jesus and they want to make him king by force. And so Jesus leaves. And then the crowds come to Jesus and they want more bread. Maybe even they pointed to some stones and said, why don't you just make this into bread? Finally, the brothers come to them and come to Jesus and they say, we want you to go up to the temple and make a big scene that everyone can see and nobody could ever doubt. I don't know, maybe you just crawl up on top of the temple, jump down and maybe an angel will catch you. Our obsession with human approval begins to look at that point like Satan because we were made to be seen and valued. Every one of you, me included. We are made for it. But when our worries of being seen and valued by everyone else in the world, human approval outweighs how we are seen and valued by God, then it's an obsession. And Jesus exposes it as evil. He says the works of the world are evil. And you could use that word there could actually be used for evil morally, but also could mean diseased. It's a sickness. And when I was in high school, I had this mosquito bite. It was on this arm right here. Scratched it, kind of looked gross, put a little neosporin on it, went to school. Next day, wake up, and I notice it's like this open sore on my arm. Gross. Don't want anybody to see that. Cover it up, put some neosporin on it, wrap it up, go to school. Next day, I notice it is now spread all the way up my arm, these wounds all over my arm. I'm like, this is horrifying, but I don't want anybody to see this nastiness. So I put on a long sleeve t-shirt and go to school. I get done with school and I go to my wrestling practice and my coach looks at my arm and he goes, hey, you have impetigo, an infectious skin disease. I was like, gross. The thing about impetigo, don't worry, I don't have it anymore. It goes away. The thing about impetigo is that if you cover it up, it spreads. It's a skin infection that it thrives in darkness. And so the only way I could actually have it healed was I had to expose it to the light. It was actually pretty embarrassing to go around at school and have that be exposed, but exposing it was actually the first step towards healing. Jesus exposes our obsession with human approval. Why? Because he wants to heal you of it. Where in your life do you care more about human approval than God's? I'm going to pray right now that God will tell you. Is it you're worried about your spouse approval so much that when God calls you to be honest and confess, you hold back? Is it that God has made you beautifully creative, but you are crippled by anxieties of what people might think, and so the things that God has given you to do get held back on? We want to be seen, and we want to be valued. I ask God to expose it in all of us like he has begun to do for me this week because it will heal. Eventually, Jesus does go up to the feast. And when he does, he doesn't go with his brothers. He goes privately. He goes in secret. And when he does go up to the festival, he doesn't do it to make a big show. He does so so that he might teach the kingdom of God. 
And before he goes out and and he begins to teach, everyone around is looking for Jesus and everyone has an opinion of who Jesus is. Some said he's a good man. Others said, no, he's leading the people astray. But look at this in verse 13. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Our obsession with human approval We'll even close our mouths of what we think of God. When Jesus goes up to expose the human approval, when he then goes up to teach and to do it publicly, he does so because he doesn't just expose it, but he opposes our obsession with human approval. Jesus opposes our obsession with human approval. He stands up in the middle of the feast. He waits until about halfway, and then he begins to teach in such a way, not to draw attention to himself, but to do what he's always been doing, teaching the kingdom of God. And when he does, the religious leaders lose their mind. It says that the Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he's never studied? Where did he go to college? Back in the day, if you were a rabbi, the way that you would have had the authority to teach is you would have pointed to all the other rabbis that you got taught by. The other forms of human approval to where everyone could agree upon that you could say that because you had the authority to say that because everybody else said that you could say it. And so when they hear Jesus stand up and teaching and they're like, this guy hasn't gone to college. We don't know the rabbi he trained under. He's standing up in the middle of one of the biggest festivals in our tradition, and he is preaching and teaching. How dare he? What gives him the right to speak? And they say it out loud as a taunt, as a way to say, Jesus, prove yourself. How will he prove himself? My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. He won't. My teaching is not mine. Jesus is so humble. He is so obedient to his father that he will have none of it. I don't need to prove myself to you, Jesus said. This teaching actually comes from my father. I'm just listening to him. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. He opposes their obsession with human approval. Because they are happy to use religion as a means to continue their obsession with human approval. We can sometimes even use our Christianity, our faith, and I'm just going to say, like, I am the king of this. We can use the things that others around in this room might look at us and say, well done, that is a very godly thing, as a means of appeasing and satisfying our idol of human approval. And Jesus will have none of it. He opposes their obsession. And then he creates a barrier. He says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. Which is in a sense to say, if you want to know if what Jesus' teaching is from God or whether he's making it up, the only way to judge is to do God's will. What Jesus is saying, because we know John has already told us God's will is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you want to verify and make a judgment call on whether Jesus and his teaching is legit, you can only do so from a position of faith and stepping in in obedience. 
The opposition that Jesus creates for us is that if we want to maintain our position as the judge in which Jesus then has to answer for us, we will never see that this teaching truly is of God. It is only as we step in that we see how true it is. And all, all of us stories who follow all of our stories who follow Jesus, we can testify to this. Christianity didn't make sense to us, and then we thought, wow, that's a really good, beautiful thing. It's so obvious, I'll just follow it. No, we stepped into it in faith, and then as our lives played out, begin to find out, oh my gosh, this teaching is God's. It's only by stepping inside and doing the teachings of Jesus that we begin to see that they actually do belong to God. He is himself from God. That story that makes me tear up almost every time I think about it is the story of Corrie ten Boom. She was a Christian during the Nazi invasion and was taken to a concentration camp and spent her young years there, watched her sister die at the hands of the Nazis, and at times had been forced to be paraded naked in front of the guards. And later in her life, after the ending of the war, she, be, she began to teach her story, and one day, a former Nazi in the concentration camp that she was in came up to her, said, I am now a Christian. I have done a lot of horrible things, and I have come to find that there is forgiveness in Jesus, and I know he has forgiven me for the atrocities that I have done, and I have asked God that he would allow me to ask forgiveness from one whom I have actually done the wrong, one of my victims, says this to Corey ten Boom. She says, or he says, once you are forgiven, will you now forgive me? And she says, I could not. I remember the suffering of my dying sister through him. I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then in a moment, she said that she remembered Romans 5 and could feel the love of God flooding into her. And she began to thank God and said, I thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart the love. I thank you that your love is stronger than my unforgiveness. And she shook the man's hand and said, I forgive you. She said, you have never so touched the ocean of God's love than when you forgive your enemies. We do not actually get to experience the power of the kingdom of God apart from stepping in and obeying. What are you waiting for to feel it before you do? What are you waiting for to feel it or to be proven to you before you step into the truth of Jesus' teaching and submit to his love? Are you like me this week? I mean, even after those first moments of God speaking to me, I still spent half the week worried about what all of you might think of me to the point that I was crippled beyond even able to write a sermon. I wanted the perfect sermon so that you might see me and value me. Or are you waiting to plead for your most hated enemies on your knees in prayer for them to come to know God? Are you waiting for that when you have the warm fuzzies? Are you waiting to forgive someone who has wronged you? 
when you feel like forgiving? Are you waiting to feel bold and open your mouth about the truth of the gospel once you feel bold? I promise you, in all of my life, that moment has never come. It is only in speaking forgiveness that I find that God can actually give me the power to forgive. It is only in trying to obey and to open my mouth that I find that God is there. That is the nature of the gospel. It opposes our obsession with human approval in such a way that as we step in to do it, we find that this teaching is the teaching of Jesus. If you want to judge, Jesus says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. If you want to judge, Jesus says, the teachings, the one who speaks on his own authority, seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Here's the difference between Jesus and you and me. Every one of us, at our core, will fight to be seen and loved by everyone around them. Jesus is not about himself. Powerfully, unbelievably. I find this story, if I'm honest, a little bit harder to believe than Jesus walking on water. Because I get that. If I had the power to walk on water, you know what I'd do? I'd walk on water. But if I had the power to prove myself without a shadow of a doubt and drop the mic and all of my opposers would be like, truly, you are the son of God, I would do it. What does Jesus do? This teaching actually belongs to my father. I don't need to prove myself. He humbly obeys his father's timing. He lovingly moves towards the mission and the goal of the cross. No one is like Jesus. He walks around and he heals in secret and he tells the people that he heals, shh, don't tell anybody that I healed you. Why? Because he's not trying to prove himself. He's just trying to bring life. No one is like Jesus. All of us at our core will say things, and even, in, especially in our world today, we'll twist the truth for fear of what others might think about us. Jesus is so committed to the kingdom of God and towards loving us that he would die before he would actually twist the truth. That is how we know we can trust him in his teaching, amen? He is the only one that is unlike us. Jesus exposes, opposes, and ultimately, he puts to death our obsession with human approval. The roots have gone in pretty deep on this one for all of us. I was talking to people this morning, and it's, it's amazing how much of us, we didn't even realize that we were fighting so hard for people to see us and approve of us. The, the roots are in deep. This obsession goes all the way into us. And unless someone can come and rescue us and kill it, it will ruin us. To truly stand against it, Jesus must die. To put our obsession with human approval to death, he is going to actually have to be put to death by human approval. To put to death our obsession with human approval, Jesus will be put to death by the obsession of human approval. Jesus responds to them, 
Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? And all of us are asking, what the heck does Moses have to do with this? And he speaks on Moses, and the summary of the rest of the statement is this. He's looking at this crowd who has this ongoing plot to kill him. And here's why. Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. He healed a man on the Sabbath. And so what Jesus said is, look, you guys are so obsessed with being seen as someone who upholds the law that you will kill me to be seen as someone who upholds the law because it looks like I break it. But think about this, Jesus says, babies are born eight days before the Sabbath, right? And they're like, yeah, of course. And the law is that you would circumcise a child on the eighth day. Yeah. Well, what if that day happens to fall on the Sabbath? What do you do then? Well, we circumcise the babies. Why? Because God caused the baby to be born on the eight days before. So no problem. Circumcise the child. Follow the law. And then Jesus' argument is, I made a man's whole body well. And you're ready to kill me. Because you want to be seen as someone who upholds the law. So much so that they are ignorant that the very maker and heart of the law is in front of them teaching. The very prophet that God promised would come is sitting in front of them. They are so consumed and so obsessed that they are ready to kill him. They have turned human approval into an identity. When we turn human approval into an identity, there is no limit for how far we will go. Because if we make our own identity, and then we have to spend the rest of the week and the days fighting to make sure that everybody else around us will approve of that identity, we will go very far to make sure that identity is not ruined. When human approval becomes our identity, this room, all of us, our pasts are filled with decisions that we have made that we hate and would take back because we are seeking human approval. Some of the most broken things that we have done and have been done to us are on account of seeking human approval to be seen and to be valued by others. Myself included. Who can fix this? If we are made for it, to be seen and loved to be seen and valued, then who will free us from this? Now we see why Jesus would not go to the festival at first. Because there would be a day that he would go up to the festival and make a big scene. But it would not be the Feast of Booths, it would be the Passover. There would be a day where Jesus would go up to Jerusalem and he would do so publicly and he would show himself, but it would not be in that moment with his brothers to chase the crowds. It would be to go up to die. There would be a day that Jesus would go up, but it would not be for his namesake. It would be for ours. Now we see why Jesus would not go up to the festival at first, why he said no to his brothers and why he did not prove himself to the crowds or the religious leaders because he is so faithful to his father's calling. He knew the time is not yet, but it's coming soon. I'm gonna go to the cross. Jesus would make a big display and show himself, but it would be naked 
and bleeding on a cross for you, not for a crowd. I heard someone say this week, Jesus would die on the cross if it was just for you. I was sitting in prayer this week thinking about you guys, and I was sitting in the sanctuary. It was, nobody's here, so it was just kind of peaceful. And I was thinking about all this stuff, and, you know, when you start thinking about humility and human approval, and you're going to get up and teach about it, it becomes comical. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm thinking about it again. I'll stop. And then, then you're laughing at yourself because it just is perpetual. But I sat here, and I was praying, and I felt God say, kind of like a quiet voice, you know, like not, not glaring, just this quiet voice. Jake, what if you knew that I saw you and I valued you? Nothing crazy about that question, but what if God said that to you today and you could hear it? What if the words of the scripture and the testimony of the cross had this power and weight to them and you you saw them with life and you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God Almighty who knit you together in the womb when Jesus was bleeding out and suffocating to death looked at you and said, I see you and I value you. What would that do to you guys? I I really do want you to think about that all week. Because then we find our freedom. Jesus puts to death our obsession with human approval when we finally see that how he sees us, loves us, and approves of us is so powerful that the chains of human approval just fall right off. We're no longer paralyzed. If the God of the universe loves us that much, why do I need to be worried? I'm gonna... Invite the band, you guys can jump on the stage at this time. And then I want to lead us into a moment of communion. And I like to keep talking, but then everybody does like the So grab the communion elements, go ahead and open them up so we can hear the, the plastic ripping. And then I want to lead us. Ethan, can you throw me a communion cup? I forgot one, dude. Ah, you're the best. Thanks for not throwing it. That would have been embarrassing. You know I wouldn't have caught it. All right. Grab the cracker. Hold it in your hand. I'm I'm just going to repeat something a couple of times, and I want you to listen, and I'm going to hope that repetition by the power of the Holy Spirit, it might sink in. And then I'll tell you to eat and drink. Eat the body. Drink the blood because you hold in your hands the proof that you are seen and loved. You hold in your hands right now the proof that you are seen and loved by God. So take now the body of Christ present with us and eat. And take now the wine, the blood of Christ, proof that you are seen and valued, and drink. I'm going to pray for you guys.